Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us in worship today. I want you to note in your bulletin that as you open it up, you see announcements related to our five practices of fruitful congregations. These things will get um, bigger and bigger as we draw closer to the um, program year. You'll see all the stuff that's being rolled out. But I want to emphasize two things, um, definitely, that are important to us. One thing that has transitioned. You used to see the um, prayer list in the bulletin. You see a far more detailed thing now that's printed off in the back of each worship space. It's also in each Sunday school class on the table. One copy will be there. It's a prayer on, that's um, bracketed, that's written by our director of spiritual life, uh, Bobby McQuaid. She writes a new prayer each month for the month, and then we list prayer concerns. So you can get this uh, uh, in your hands printed. You can also get a digital version of it every week at the top of the email. Now you ask, now how do we get prayer concerns on the list? Um, well, in this particular service, there are cards in every pew uh, where you can write on that card and share that concern. Our director of connection, uh, Leanna Morris, will confirm with the individual that it's okay to be there. Um, we want to respect their privacy, and then you'll see it on that list next week. Um, we want to request that every week to be, in, to be on the list in order to avoid someone being on it for six months, 12 months, 18 months, because we simply left the name on that list. So if you have any questions about that process whatsoever, um, submitting it digitally, writing it down and putting it in the prayer, uh, I mean in the offering plate, the way you read it or the way you read it digitally, we have them both equally there. Uh, we want to emphasize that to you. The second thing is something I'm really excited about for intentional faith development. Our church has, our staff this summer, has been working on a plan where children and youth um, programming on Sunday morning will be entirely focused on the text that will be used during the worship service. So if you go to the 9 o'clock service and you hear the sermon, the message, the prayer, then you go into Sunday school, you'll hear that exact same text presented in um, your age bracket. And we've got that opportunity to share it with adults as well if your class wants to opt into that. So I'm going to be talking to Sunday school class leaders about it. And it'll start in September. And everything from the podcast to the worship to um, Sunday school will be tied into the same scripture, the same ideas. Um, and I, I think if you um, give it a shot, I think you'll like it. Um, but you'll hear more about that in the near future. The only um, random one that's off any of these um, uh, themes is the CEP, our Child Enrichment Program, has a job opening. If you know of someone that wants to work in the preschool, it's a great environment, um, great leadership, great children. And um, if you want to uh, investigate that, any one of us on staff will help you do that. And so if you'll stand as you're able and join us uh, for our first hymn, number 657, sung twice. our faith in this worship service with the Apostles' Creed on page 881 in your hymnal. 
And you're welcome to join us and you're welcome to simply listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Psalm, Psalm 96, and it's found on pages 934 and 935 in your pew Bible. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O family of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Look at the world 
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this season in which we have read through the building of your communities in the book of Acts. Of people who played a very large part, people who played a small part, and everyone in between, all essential all different, all with different skill sets used to promote your message, to build faith communities, to spread your word throughout that region and to us today.
Lord, as we read today, the culmination of the book of Acts, the dedication of your servant Paul, and the unique gifts that he brought. Help us, Lord, to search inside, to see our gifts, our experiences, to sing a new song, to share the gifts that we have, and to proclaim your word. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest or visitor in our congregation today, it's not our expectation that you give. You can rely on the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. I want to thank Miss Betty Ward for joining us today and playing for us um, in Don's absence on vacation. She's joined us in years past as he's left for the last two weeks of July. And she goes back to the John Knox Presbyterian days uh, with Renessa and thus could stay after worship today and give us all kinds of stories if y'all want to hang around. Um, yeah? Yes? No? Okay. We'll see about that next week. Um, glad to have you, Miss Betty. That sounds good. Um, we are looking at Acts chapter 28, starting with verse 16, and that's found on page 1744 in your pew Bible. And if you like to read along, if you'll keep it open, as I read different parts of it throughout the sermon. 1744. Before we start with that, I want to talk about your opening image of life experience. How has your childhood, your siblings, your parenting, your grandparenting, everything to do with your family, shaped the lens through which you see the world? Those experiences that you've had help you understand what's likely to happen, what um, has happened, what you hope will happen, how you expect that to happen. How has geography affected your lens? Have you stayed put your entire life and have seen all the changes? Have you moved around South Carolina for different reasons? Have you moved around the U.S. for different reasons? There's some of us that have moved around the earth for different reasons. And in so doing, have seen things that others may have not seen based on that experience. How about your career? Lifelong, what you thought you'd always do? Total shifts based on um, geography, maybe, maybe based on shifts in passion. Still wondering what your career might be. Relationships. Your friends, your significant others, your co-workers, your wife, your ex-wife, your husband, your ex-husband, your in-laws. All of these things make a very unique picture only to you. And it's a portion through which you see the world. This specific formula that makes you you gives you an opportunity to be of great value to share your message of this text to the world. Now, I want to be clear. That doesn't mean that our experiences are primary. And whatever we've experienced is the thing that we share about God. That's not what I mean. We share the scripture, what we understand about God, but your unique experiences give you an ability to speak to people based on what you have seen and what you have heard, and none of us are like you. Today we hear how it all came together for Paul at a critical point at the end of this story of Acts. Chapter 28, verse 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And when they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, Although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was not compelled to make an appeal, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So your next phrase is when we got to Rome. Now that's important. Rome is the center, the political center of this entire expansive empire 
that has dominated the region. Now, many people live under the empire of Rome, but very few people actually get the chance to go to Rome and have any voice and have any significance. Now, you see parallels in what I just read to what happened to Jesus. I didn't commit any crimes, yet the religious authorities of that time got everybody fired up, amped up, wanted me to get charged. They couldn't figure out anything to charge me with the Roman officials in that area. That directly mirrors what happened to Jesus. There's a very, very big difference between the two. Paul had the ability to appeal and say, I want to go to Rome. And so he goes to Rome and has um, religious leaders from the Jewish faith coming to this home where he's essentially under house arrest to speak to them about his significance and the message that he has. Now, these religious leaders would have the same passion, they'd have the same knowledge and understanding of the text as the ones in Jerusalem. But they may not be as hostile to him. They may be more hostile to him. And here he comes to speak to these people. And why does he have to go to Rome? Well, there's certain times you just have to go to the core of it. You've got to go right to the heart of the institution if you want to do something of great significance. One of my favorite movies, um, Hoosiers, you know, Gene Hackman goes to a small town in Indiana and leads a high school boys basketball team, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, to the state championship. Tiny school, tiny gym, playing other teams in tiny gyms. And they get some kind of special formula going where they start to win in a way that they haven't in a long time. They have to play in the state championship game. That state championship game is not in their tiny gym. It's not in the neighboring town's tiny gym. It's in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the biggest arena in the state. And I've been fortunate enough to visit it and walk around in it. And it just goes forever back behind the basket. Huge on either side, and then again, forever behind the basket. It is enormous. And the version that I saw has been reduced in seating from the version that they played in. They walked in, and in the movie, you see their eyes getting much bigger. And the coach has to kind of talk them down in that space and say, it's just like playing basketball at home. It's just in a much bigger venue with much louder people. Now, if you want to be at the core of theater in the United States, where do you want to go? Go to Broadway, right? And some people risk absolutely everything to get to New York, to be in the smallest of stages in order to work their way up, in order to be in Broadway, because that's where you go if you want to be in theater in the United States. What if you're Han Solo? and Luke Skywalker, and the Wookiee, and you've got to get to Princess Leia, where do you have to go? You can't go to some random planet. You can't go to a small ship. You have got to go to the Death Star, this massive thing in the middle of space, and go in and find her and get her out of that Death Star. Paul had to go to Rome if he wanted this message to be spread. Because they are the biggest thing there is, and you've got to convince the people there. So under house arrest, he draws those leaders in and shares this message with them. Verse 23 says, They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said. Others would not believe. So this book that we read has a large portion of what they read. And any leader would need to know these texts backwards and forwards. They would need to know the law that's in the front part they would need to know the history that follows it. They would need to know the prophets that follow. And Paul sits with those leaders and shares that message of, I get this stuff. I'm not just a Christian. And there are many Christians then and today who say, 
Yeah, we don't need that stuff. We got this stuff. But if you don't understand these elements, if you don't understand the foundation, if you don't understand the pursuing love of God that happened way back here, if you think, God was kind of grumpy here, and God's been really huggy here. You say, no, I understand how much God has pursued people from the first day. He tells them that. And then he says, of course, this didn't exist. This story is directly tied to that story. The story of Jesus is tied to the story you have always believed. He says that in Rome to those leaders. You know how unique his position is in order to be able to do that. You know how he could get an audience with the leadership there, how he could request time with the Caesar. If y'all wanted to meet the president to ask him something, could y'all put that together? He has connections as a Roman citizen. Now, Rome is crazy expansive, the Roman Empire. But most of them are subservient to the empire. None of them are, very few of them are um, citizens. Citizens have that power. So he's born in a place where he's a citizen. So number one, he's got that power, unlike most people in his region. He's raised in Tarsus, which is up above north of um, Israel, in the ways of the Jewish faith and becomes an expert because he's a hard worker, because he's intelligent, because he's completely dedicated to God. He's a young star in that Jewish religious system. And as he's going, doing exactly what he thinks he's supposed to do, persecuting Christians, he's knocked off his animal on the, on the path that he's going and is confronted by God in the form of Jesus saying, stop doing that. You think that you're doing it for God, but instead you are impeding a new thing, which is my son Jesus. So a Roman citizen, handpicked in Jewish leadership, is confronted and asked to be a superstar in the early part of the Christian movement. Now, Romans occupied the Jewish homeland and would have squashed anyone in their path. Romans and Jews would have clashed. Jews thought the Christian movement was wrong and persecuted those leaders. Christians talked about a new king that would have been a direct uh, opposite of the Roman emperor. So Romans would have clashed with Jews. Jews would have clashed with Christians. Christians would have clashed with uh, Romans for their entire lives. But there he sits, uniquely placed, given his skill set, and he's got a mission and a message to share with those people. Three entities that would have been at odds with one another are brought together by one man. Verse 25. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now that's your last phrase, with all boldness and without hindrance. What's something that you will say with complete boldness? My grandchildren are precious. My child is going to this college. I love Greer with my whole heart. I've been here my whole life. These are things that you might say with boldness, with conviction. Something that you've worked on in your career your entire life, you know that thing. And if someone asked you, you could give them the answer. But do you ever wonder what you might say to someone regarding your faith? 
You ever think, mm, I'm not going to say anything about that. Because I don't know if they want to hear it. I don't know if I should say it. Whatever it may be. With all boldness and without hindrance is something that we struggle to do with the message of God. Because we wonder out loud and internally if we have anything of worth to share with another person. See, Paul is fearless because he knows who he is and he knows what he's doing. And we wonder who we are. And we wonder what we're doing. Let me give you a couple stories that may help with that. I spent the um, better part of this week in Sumter at Trinity United Methodist with candidates from all over our state who have expressed interest in being a minister. That's all they've done. And um, I helped develop this process for our conference where we have group candidacy. We group them together with other candidates and high caliber mentors and we get them together for a retreat where they learn about one another, they learn about the process, they learn about the mentors, and they share messages with one another. You know what those candidates said to me about whether they should be in ministry or not? They said, you know, you know I have this calling, but I don't think it's right. I don't know what I offer. I just feel like I should do it. I said, what have you done? Well, I've been in sales my entire life. I've been in sales for 28 years. I said, you don't think you have anything to offer as a minister? I said, did you have to go into offices where you didn't know anybody and all of a sudden generate a relationship and then offer things to that relationship and then deliver on those promises that you made? Mm-hmm. I said, do you think there's any of that in ministry? Yeah. I worked in an assembly line for the last five years. I don't know what I have to offer the ministry. I said, what time did you have to be there? Six. I said, what time did you get off? Between two and four. I said, so you went from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you made sure that the thing that was handed to you and you delivered on the thing that you did so that the next person could, make, could know that it was right when it was handed to them every day. Day in, day out, at 6 a.m. Yes. I said, do you think there's any of that in ministry? Where you are handed something and you need to hand it to the next person having done your job? Yeah. I've been a stay-at-home mother for 35 years, I don't know what I offer to the ministry. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, um, well, did you care for two, three, four people? Make absolutely sure that they had everything that they needed? Did you wake up every day and make sure that they were in their spot, that they got to their place, that they had their snack, that they had their bag, that that thing that you told them, that it was in their bag too, and double check and double check and double check? Mm-hmm. Did you hug them when they were hurt? Mm-hmm. You think any of that's in ministry? Yeah, I guess so. And see, they're so different than me. I went in at 22. It's the only thing I've ever done. It'd be weirder to me to go be on an assembly line or to be in sales or to be an educator. I said, you bring something completely unique to this. Miss Margie's read in the first text, sing a new song. You know, we hear those um, notes, we sing those words, but sometimes a new one comes along, we think, oh, I like that one too. That individual will now be on a path to one of three ways to be in ministry for the next two to six years. Now let's take it away from ministry, let's talk about you. Have you ever wondered if you had anything to offer? If you had anything to say, what do you think I would say to you based on what I said to them? It's not your career path. But you interact with a lot of people. You share a lot of tables. You share a lot of car rides, phone calls. What has your unique experience provided you that you can share this message with boldness and without hindrance? That's your question. Paul was knocked off his animal and completely redirected. He was threatened by his own people. He was imprisoned by his government. He was visiting the heart of the empire and he was doing exactly what he was designed to do. 
You might ask yourself, what am I built to do based on my experience? Lord, lead me to do that thing. Lead me to serve you. Lead me to proclaim your message with all boldness and without hindrance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for our final hymn, number 671. Help us in this important transition with our prayer list. Share it with your Sunday school classes. Share it with people that can't join us very often. We're going to start to place it in the envelope that we send bulletins to individuals so that they'll see it every week. Help us add to it um, by using these cards, by calling Leanna, by letting us know so that it can be the best it can possibly be for our congregation. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Amen.